Hello and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-hosts. She often introduces herself as Pathways, Electrical Signals, and Chemistry, but I prefer (laughs) to call her Whitney Nelson. (laughs) Hello, everybody. And hoist the mainsail, Ahab. Asia Romano returns! (laughs) Asia, how are you? It's great to have you back. It's good to be here. I'm so excited to be be back just for this specific episode. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to ask about that. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um... I, uh, well, I grew up on MST3K, and I'm sure you probably, like, many of you probably did. I'm sure probably a lot of your listeners did, too. And so I, um, I, and I've listened to a lot of riff tracks in my day, too. And so there's just, like, a a certain, like, well, honestly, like, when I was watching it, like, the first, the first line that Keanu Reeves says is something like, have the donors given their consent forms? And, like, my entire (laughs) body just, like, all over tingled. I was like, this is gonna be amazing! (laughs) Yeah. It's got, it just oh, yes. l- layers. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> got it. Love it. Well, we are excited to have you back. You know, we are, we're winding down as you, as you know, this is, geez, we only have six or seven left. So luckily Face the Music got to, got moved up for us. So <laughs> very cool. That'll be a better episode to end on than Between Two Ferns, which would have been our, <laughs> our last point there. So, all right, let's. Let's get right into it. I'm excited. I see uh, chats popping off. Hello, everyone. Zoe, Jody. There was the space, as always. No truncation <laughs> here. You're two different people. <laughs> Up top, as always, I want to mention you can find our website at coolbreezepod.com. Email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. Longtime listener and current uh, viewer Zoe emailed us this follow up from our last episode. Whitney, just uh, perk up a bit here. Uh, absolutely gutted not to be able to join in with the watch party and then again live stream for Destination Wedding. You're back as my listening partner while I do the long walk home from work, so I had to tell you that you had me in fits of laughing at the Bert and Ernie reference. The image of Ernie saying to Bert, Oh, for the thrill of fucking you, you've ruined my childhood. <laughs> I personally saw Destination Wedding as an updated Beatrice and Benedict, which I think you also mentioned, Whitney, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. The verbal sparring in this movie is great, just the right amount of snark and the most awkward sex scene featuring a mountain lion, <laughs> which might be the only time I'll ever say that sentence in my life. I'll keep listening, even if time differences mean I can't join in so much, but we're happy to have you now. Uh, Jody keeps me posted with all sorts of fun, so thank you for bringing Jody into my life. Oh, um, that's great. We're just connecting. connections. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We're doing it. So uh, if you're watching live on Periscope or Twitch, as many of you are currently, chime in with your two cents. Have us read your comments out loud. We'll agree, debate you, do all that good stuff. I had a number of people reach out uh, and ask if if I could put this podcast on YouTube to get around a certain firewall and content restrictions. And to that, I'd say, I will be happy to help you slack off while you're at work, but give me time. It's a very lengthy process to do that kind of conversion. So it, it will be done, but maybe by the end of the show, they'll all be on YouTube. So there you go. And then finally, as always, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Love to see it. You love to see it. Asia, if you could, I would love for you to tell us what we're talking about today. 
Oh boy. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Keanu Reeves film Replicas. Oh and no. It's, and, and it's about clones. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's barely about anything. I don't think it's about anything else. It's barely about clones. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is at least nominally about clones. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So, okay, here we go. The plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is... After a car accident kills his family, a daring synthetic biologist will stop at nothing to bring them back, even if it means pitting himself against a government-controlled laboratory, a police task force, and the physical laws of science. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, um, that's a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> the physical laws of science. Okay, okay. And, and every ethical and moral law in the universe, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Okay. We will get to that, because I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Um, so this was co-written by Chad St. John, who I'm not sure, like, is this someone I should know? No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I feel like I feel like I, I, I am INDB these people, and there were, one of them wrote, like, um, Fall, like, London Has Fallen, which is a movie I've at least vaguely heard of, um, but that's about it. Yeah, um, so it was you're right. By that guy and um, recurring Keanu movie producer Stephen Hamill. Yeah, it was directed by Jeffrey Nachmanoff, whose other directing work is primarily in television, with episodes of Homeland, Chicago Fire, Hostages, The Brave, and The Passage. Co-starring alongside Keanu is Alice Eve, Thomas Middleditch, John Ortiz, MJ Anthony, and Emily Allen Lind. None of whom I've heard of. Right. Um, the the part that this leaves out is that this has like so many producers. This movie has so many producers that I honestly started to wonder if it was like a money laundering scheme. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. You know, we we had a similar situation with Siberia too, which was also just an episode or two ago where it was like, wow, there are seven production companies up top right out of the gate. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah, there were there were a lot of producers behind this, so uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what their motives were, but but I applaud them for taking risks. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> Whitney, what? Um, I'm excited. What do the huh. critics and the people have to say <laughs> about replicas? <laughs> well, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes have an average score of 11% for this Ooh, movie. Ouch. And the audience has given it about 33% score. Um, so generally not well received, I would say. Um, <laughs> we have a critic quote from Kate Walsh of the LA Times who says, The filmmakers managed to avoid every potentially interesting choice for far dumber and far more explicable, <laughs> inexplicable conclusions. <laughs> Which is uh-huh. dead on the money. Sure. We have a user quote from Luca B on Rotten Tomatoes who gave it one out of five stars and says, A generic and boring sci-fi thriller with laughable visual effects, silly dialogue, derivative script, flat characters, and clumsy editing. That's not even enjoyable in the so bad it's good way. <laughs> Ow! Luca! <laughs> but where's the lie, you know? We have a few notes from listeners. Zoe said, not my favorite. Rude that he chooses not to revive Zoe. <laughs> we have already talked about it being Zoe Erasure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Christina says, it's dot, 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 there? Question mark? When it's not confusing, it's really boring, honestly. 
Maybe you two could help me out. I I don't know why was it so hard for me to get some uh, some critical res- from some audience, you know, responses to this movie. I I can't understand it. That's all. This is all <laughs> I was able to get. This is literally it. I was like, you could say anything, and people mm-hmm. didn't even care enough to really say a bad thing about it. That's how <laughs> I think. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah, that is kind of what we're dealing with here. Uh, I do have to say, overall, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. That's okay. So I do have to just start with that. Yeah, I think I, I also enjoyed it more than I thought it would too. I had some fun watching it. Not all of the time. I did not enjoy watching it 100% of the movie. Um, and I really think that the, the thing that makes this movie so bad is exactly what that um, reviewer said in that every decision that they make is like a questionable one when there's so many better options and ways for the story to go. Sure. And we can get into that a little bit more once we really start talking about it. But um, I knew it was going to be bad, and I went in knowing that it was going to be bad, and I actually, there were parts that were laugh-out-loud funny to me. Now, they weren't supposed to be. Right. Exa- that, is, that is the problem. <laughs> they were not supposed to be. Um, but I also understand indifference because a lot of it just reads as like a like a, a CSI episode starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Asia, what what is your take on this film? I don't I, you 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 sound like you kind of enjoyed it like Whitney did? <laughs> well, the thing is I like I said I I grew up watching a lot of of uh, MST3K. I have a very like uh, there's a part of me that just like sings in response to a bad movie, right? Like, like in the way that you watch bad movies is to like, you're kind of rooting for them to make the worst possible choices. So, you know, when um, I actually flatly disagreed with the guy, the reviewer that was like, it's not even enjoyable in the so bad it's good way. Like, because from the beginning, I was just like, yes, we have flat script, like flat script writing. We have terrible <laughs> acting. We have like, like the entire budget going to this like, this like Iron Man screen that they're doing, in the, like, I have, like all of these choices that are making me de- like deliriously happy as someone who's a connoisseur of bad movies, right? Because you can just see like all of the all of the ways where they had these, um, where they probably at some point had good intentions, <laughs> um, and then just managed to produce things that were this thing that was like totally flat. I was actually pretty impressed with like like how the movie would sort of shift through self-awareness at one point, you know, when it started covering all of his, the, the plot holes that he would get, in, that he would get into by like trying mm-hmm. to, to basically the plot is that he tries to um, bring his family back after a completely nonsensical car accident. Um, and then like when he does, he tries to like wipe their memories, but also um, he has to immediately like, yeah, they, they kind of have to like gestate for 17 days during which like, He's trying to keep the entire neighborhood, like, from wondering where his family's gone. And so it kind of, like, it could have easily, like, ignored that, but it didn't. Like, so mm-hmm. it's, it's walking through all the ways in which he's, like, having to, you know, having to pretend to be, like, his, his daughter, texting his daughter's, girl, like, girlfriend, like, stuff like that. Trying to text the teachers of his, of his, uh, of his kids' schools, right? So it does stuff like that where that makes you think it's, like, trying to have thought to any degree about its plot, but then it also, like, doesn't tell you how he's supposed to keep, like, the identity of the daughter that he deletes um, from appearing, like, from the moment his wife walks down the street and their neighbor goes, hi, how's Zoe? Like, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Whoops. Like, like there are these like giant, massive plot holes that it doesn't remotely come close to be even being interested in solving. But it's yeah. like trying to take you through like it's what it thinks is its own cleverness in doing these small things that are supposed to be subversive of the tropes. And so <laughs> it's that's it, that that kind of like complete baffling contradiction just is the kind of thing that I live for as somebody who watches a lot of these movies. Um, so I, I was into it like most of the time just because of, of those types of things, right? I got very into the movie when killer robot Keanu was <laughs> a thing. Well, when his, bo- like, his boss kept being so o- like over-the-top creepy, and I kept being like, um, you know, what, what kind of blackmail information does, do we, like, what kind of blackmail material does he have on his, like, Igor character? Yeah. Um, the, the dude, the, uh, his underling, basically, like, who mm-hmm. just, like, flatly goes along with, like, everything that he wants him to do. But his boss is so hilariously, like, not the, like, n- obviously not a bio, a, like, a biological lab boss, like. Oh, right, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Clearly not in the sciences in any way. Right. And definitely not the boss of a lab full of scientists. (laughs) Right. And I was kind of like, so, um, what's the word? What's the mind? I'm trying to figure out how to describe this because I was like, is the show, is this movie doing this on purpose or is it just one of these, like, more, these, one of these other contradictions? And then halfway through the movie, the boss randomly shows up and just dumps a lot of completely incoherent backstory or exposition or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't even know what to call it. Like, on Keanu, where he implies that he may have, may have had the whole family killed, kind of, but not really or something or was going to. And I don't know. I don't know. And, but he. He was maybe in control of that, and now he's in control of everything that's happened since. Um, and he's not a scientist, but he doesn't work for like anything you've heard of, <laughs> and <laughs> nothing is answered at all. Um, and this is supposed to be like the movie kind of frames it like, "Oh, you were expecting this all the time," <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So How could you not have seen this part? Right. So the whole the whole movie is just like full of these moments where you're trying to figure out like does the movie know what it's doing or is it just completely oblivious to what it's doing or is it trying to think to make you think it knows what it's doing but it's also oblivious to this other giant thing over here. So yeah. It's both? I don't I, Can it be both? I don't know. It's so I weird. It, I think I think movies are often both and that's yeah. part of their charm. Oh my gosh. I don't I I think I I agree with both of you. So for me, I, I don't, this movie felt very long to me. Like, Oh, it is very long. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't even actually remember the runtime off the top of my head. It's close to two hours. It's closer to two hours than not. And I don't know how many times I actually paused. Like by the time his, I guess it's when his family d- dies or something or pretty close to that point. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to kick, we're going to boot these clones up and then we're going to see some stuff. And I was like, we're only 40 minutes in. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, I'm going to go make some dinner. I'll come back to this in a second here. (laughs) Every time they brought up like a, a question, right? I was like, oh, that's what this movie is. And then they bring up another question and they didn't answer the first one. I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, (laughs) yeah, no, totally. That's, that's the thing that I really think is the downfall of this movie is like that one reviewer said, there's so many ways that this movie could go and it chooses not to go any of them. Right. right. And every time that you think that you're like, okay, I see where this is going. I get what's happening here. They're like, no, actually you don't. 
It's this completely non-sequitur thing that is going to come in out of nowhere and then bore you rather than intrigue you. Yes. I think I felt like I didn't even expect the movie to be interested in those questions because these kinds of movies are never interested in like the broader questions mm-hmm. that they're That raised. could be like, it, too. I was just like, oh, they're, they're, they made this movie for this Iron Man screen thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here. So every time they whipped it out, I was like, oh, okay, the movie's budget is doing its thing. This is why we're, like, I don't know. It just didn't, there was a moment where, um, when, when they decide, when Keanu, when Keanu's character, whose name I've completely forgotten. um, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor something Um, or other. Yeah. Oh, William. William. William, There you go. Because his boss keeps calling him Bill. And I kept being like, I bet that's not his fucking name. (laughs) No one else in the movie called him Bill. Right. It was just another mark of how evil his boss was that I remember that. That's bad. Um, Only I call you this nickname. (laughs) Bill. (laughs) Bill. Um, But um, so William decides, like, he kind of realizes out of nowhere that... um, that the body has to be like connected, has to re- like the mind has to realize that it's in its own body for it to um, to wake up. And I was like, "Wow, that's hella transphobic of you, movie." <laughs> like that's the only time, <laughs> right? That's that's, that's the it. only time where I even like felt remotely like this movie had thought at at any point at all about the the lo- the logistics or the. I mean, you also had like them carrying around like. Um, like amino acids and just basically like stuff you need to grow humans in like gallon like drums like, like yeah <laughs> and also the amount of times that they shouted the algorithm the yeah. in this movie <laughs> right that's all you needed just the algorithm but the yeah. algorithm though it's a uh-huh. it's um it's one of those things it's like a it's it's um the Maltese Falcon is that right it's like one of the not a red herring but like a um, like a MacGuffin? Is yes. That, MacGuffin. That, it's that a feels, MacGuffin. It's yeah. like the, the thing that makes the movie work, whether it makes sense or not. <laughs> the, I, see, when I, when we got into the, when I got into this, I was like, okay, so this was a movie that up until our, our watch right now, Whitney, you haven't, you hadn't seen this either, right? I had not, no. Okay. Yeah. So I had not seen this either. And I knew it, it slotted right between like two very big Keanu, well, uh, you know, between two John Wicks, I guess is what you could say. There are other movies, but like between two John Wicks, essentially. And I don't know why I put this like onus on it where I was like, well, clearly the guy knows what he's doing. Like when he picks roles and he, you know, he's, he's into it. though, he has never known what he's That's doing. That's true. It is true. I don't know why I keep just he assuming. Says yes to everything and then <laughs> lucks into some of the most like genre changing films of our lifetimes. Yeah. But that's mostly true. it's like, yes, I would love to be in The Watcher and Siberia and Replicas. <laughs> Whoops. I yeah. I was hoping past knowledge, I was like, I was hoping that this could be like um and maybe th- this is all on me just projecting. I was like, I this could have been like ex machina. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. this could have been. Mm-hmm. Or if they wanted to go the other direction, I was when he was doing all the neural pathway chemical stuff. I was like, "Oh, well, this is a lot like Eternal Sunshine." Like, of course, this is what the movie's going to be. And it was not. It was not. It was none of that. <laughs> I was like, no. "Oh, they got, he like he got they got so close to doing something interesting, and then it didn't matter anymore." And I was like, "Damn it!" And that's kind of the, that was that was the biggest bummer for me. I was like, "Oh, they're right there," and like. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong with cloning? They had that scene with the kid, his son, mm-hmm. 
he like inexplicably again I think that's going to be the word of this episode inexplicably he puts mashed potatoes in a glass of milk and he's like I missed the plate I'm like oh something's so wrong with the clones was, that was almost the progenitor of a really good movie that's right when Alice Eve knows something is up but can't quite put her finger on it but knows what's going on like she's been clued in but like hasn't figured out the daughter that's missing or whatever. And then the kids are acting a little weird and the son puts mashed potatoes in his milk <laughs> instead of on his plate. Yeah. When they start sort of like glitching like that, that is almost a really intense and very cool like thriller thing where they right. like- Like that's a psychological horror from the perspective of the mom, basically. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. She has now been made into this thing that, you know, and her memory has been edited and her husband did it all without asking any questions of why or should I or could I. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. and, she, and then, like, her last memory on Earth was being impaled by a, some sort of log. <laughs> and he didn't remove that? <laughs> and he didn't what? remove that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Removed the daughter <laughs> that she had, but did not remove being impaled through the torso. Right. Yeah. There's um, something. Yeah, of course. But if she starts, like... If the the glitching turned into malice and all of a sudden his family that he worked so hard to save is after him, or if it's a psychological horror from the perspective of the mom and like what was done to her and she has her kids, but something's not right there. And, you know, her husband did this without permission. Like there's a lot of stuff that's super interesting there, but that's when they give the big left turn of I'm from some secret government agency that's so secret you don't know it exists and I'm going to kill all of your family because they're my property. Yeah. Right. And also like the fact that when she finds like he basically is immediately uh, for whatever reason, he's like, oh, I think I'm just going to tell you right now casually that I, I removed our daughter from your memory banks. And she's basically, like, she's mad about it. She's kind of half-heartedly mad about it for, like, two seconds, and then it's fine. <laughs> like, like there's, yeah. no, there's no longer... There's a bigger problem now. It's like... Right. Right. You did what? Also, this whole movie, he has this robot that, like, he's been <laughs> trying to put people's consciousness into, and he keeps failing. Well, I also just want to point out that, like... His daughter, his daughter is supposed to be like, like she's clearly like seven or eight, like she's tall, she's like a child, but she says things like, "What's fired mean?" And I'm like, "How old are you actually supposed <laughs> yeah, to be?" No. Like, like so she was like, clearly he, supposed to be like three years old, but right. they put like an eight year old actress in that role, right? And yeah. so, I, and the the whole time I was thinking, I'm not sure he's the best cognitive scientist he thinks he is. <laughs> 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 exactly. He needs to work on his home, his home life first. Get that in. Whole time, he's got three pods and four family members, but he also has a robot. And how interesting would it be if you put a young child that doesn't know what fired means, you put her consciousness into this robot that's meant for, like, military wounded and dying. Yeah. That's an interesting movie, too. See, I think you're like you're thinking about this as a movie instead of like a construct. Instead of, <laughs> what, what is it? well, how strange of me to consider this a movie. But it's not a movie. It's 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 like a it's like a to have movie expectations of this is just wild. Well, to me, to me, I feel like 
And like all of those producers is like maybe the key here because I feel like in every single scene, all of those producers were going, hey, I contributed $500 to this. Let's make the daughter like say, like not know what fire it is or or, let's have the guy, let's have the kid drop his mashed potatoes. Like that's going to be cool. Like they're just throwing all this cool stuff at it. Like they're, they're throwing stuff at the wall and they all Mm -hmm. want it to stick because they're, you know, like that's kind of the sense that I get from this movie. Like it's not actually so much as uh, it's not well thought out as much as it's just like an assemblage of cool concepts that they hoped would be really cool on the page and then on the screen. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe not in that exact order. And, (laughs) you know, and then, and then this is what we got. Like we got like a scrambled egg movie where you have like all of these pieces of ideas that, that people have contributed to that don't really like have any coherence or continuity or anything to do with each other. You know, like, I feel like it's that kind of movie. Like, it was a movie that was, like, uh, I don't know. It was, like, assembled by somebody who had, like, movie parts in a gallon drum of... (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. I 100% agree. I think the problem with this movie primarily lays with the director. Because regardless of all of your scrambled egg pieces, you have a person, you have incredible rules uh, or questions about morality throughout this whole movie. All of the different pieces, regardless of what they are or how they fit together, the question is, this guy is doing horrific things, potentially, yeah, and not stopping for a second to, other than the, the who's he gonna delete from his family moment, he never really stops to pause at all. Thomas Middleditch is kind of the voice of reason in this movie, which is never a good sign. But even (laughs) he doesn't really, like, go into the morality and the the lack of consent and the what he's doing to their bodies and their minds and Mm. all that kind of stuff. And you need to be able to say that this lead, with all of these questions of morality, that the lead of the movie is either... A loving father doing anything he can, regardless of the consequences, or he's a bad guy. And they never draw the line in the whole movie. They never draw the line between those two. Keanu Reeves is walking right down the middle of loving father and like Frankenstein-esque I mean, you consequences be, be damned. You, yeah, you could have had him be like a, you know, like an amoral, a morally gray character um, and had it work if you'd had the movie be aware of that and be telegraphing to us that mm-hmm. we're supposed to be finding him morally gray, right? Like that would, yeah. you know, like, exactly. it's, like, like it's Machina. Like, I think you can do that um, pretty well, but I think this movie was not concerned about that. Like, because this movie just <laughs> Well, that's the thing is, I think that's why, in my opinion, the fault falls on the director is because right. you're still the one person who's making this story, even yeah. if 50 different producers have had their hand in it and like, given you all of these different pieces the writer has made a script that doesn't really connect because of all these pieces or whatever in the end it's your your job to get a like continuity of performance of some kind even if you've given bad things like bad pieces to work with and Keanu Reeves could have done it either way I don't think he's the most believable parent in the world but Mm. I do think that he could have gone either side if the director just made a choice of this is the the main guy is a good guy or the main guy is a bad guy. Yeah. Really, I think that that's where this movie falls down the most is 
they never make that choice and therefore none of it there is no cohesive anything at all because they're not telling a story that makes sense they're not telling a moral or like a you know it's not a parable that's teaching you something it just exists um <laughs> I was reading a, the, uh, like, RogerEbert.com, obviously he didn't review this movie, but the, the writer that reviewed this movie said that Nick Cage should have been the star of this movie <laughs> because he would have gone, like, unhinged and it would have made Wait. this movie make sense. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm 100% into that idea. I think that, he, so you, you both, you both are blowing my mind here for a second because... Let me make a quick observation. Whitney, just based off of what you said, mm-hmm. wasn't... So Nicolas Cage was supposed to be the star of Siberia, right? Mm-hmm. And Asia, you mentioned that this was like f- like six or seven different producers all had one idea, right? And I think that that is the exact problem that Siberia also had, which it had like six or seven people. And I liked parts of that movie too. Like they were like, there's diamonds, there's intrigue, there's international like espionage. And the same thing with this. I was like, this is like Eternal Sunshine. This is like Ex Machina. This is a little bit like Blade Runner, but they never actually connect everything. And I'm like, well, now it's very clear that these two roles should have gone to Nicolas Cage. And then the whole thing would have been solved, clearly. (laughs) But like... Nicolas Cage, regardless of what the producers or the director or the scriptwriter is saying, he would have taken this in like a Mandy-esque direction where you clearly know how you feel about the main protagonist and the decisions that he makes, which I think would connect everything else in more of a story, even if the script doesn't change and the editing doesn't change and all of that kind of stuff. Having someone who's willing to go to the edge with it would have made Mm -hmm. it made more sense. Um, I do think Keanu Reeves does his best job to try and, like, add some sort of human element to this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he tries his best to hold it down, but he (laughs) fails. Uh Uh-huh. I really just wanted this to turn into either a psychological horror starring Alice Eve or a, like revenge horror where the family kills Keanu Reeves. You, That's you what I wanted out either. of this. Neither yeah. of those happened, but I did appreciate the end when Keanu Reeves cl- like puts his consciousness into the robot, and then he and the robot are like fighting all of these government agents. <laughs> that was fun. I liked that uh-huh. part. I don't know how much of the budget went in to making that robot, but it should have... I don't know... I don't know what they could have done could have to make that been more. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, those producers that clearly they needed like six or seven more producers to get that thing up to snuff. Because I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> this is this is not great. So also, there was something about the lighting that really looked like TV the whole time. Oh it looked yeah, like definitely. TV. It definitely looked like um like uh, person of interest or like. Or like <laughs> It did. Like it looked uh-huh. like one of those like sure. like CBS pre- like sci-fi procedurals, like Fringe or something. Well, that's what I said about CSI. Is it's definitely some sort of like procedural, except for it's a movie. The way that it looks and and the you know the techno babble and how that doesn't play <laughs> at all reminded me very much of like an NCIS or <laughs> SVU or something 
like I said, the amount of times that they talked about the algorithm. <laughs> the algorithm, correct, yeah. And they didn't say anything else about the algorithm. And it's just <laughs> what, right. We're supposed what to attaches a consciousness to a body. Right. <laughs> And the algorithm only exists in his head because that's a thing that people yes. like carry no. around with them. No <laughs> algorithm exists in a person's head. The that you know you bring up you bring up more interesting points, and I I didn't realize it until now. But like when it becomes clear to me, like in a movie, that this is not going to meet my pretty like low threshold for enjoyment overall. <laughs> like I, I'm not I'm not hard to please really. I don't think at least. Um, I do like start to look for like, well, maybe technically this movie is going to do something that like blows me away. And it really, it did not like the only, I like the one cool shot. There was one cool shot where like the camera was going through the neural pathways and like, it's like kind of they're framed around Keanu. I I can't even remember what the context is. I don't know if he was in the lab or he was at home. I was like, Oh, this is a cool shot. Maybe we'll get a couple more of those. Nope. Like, I don't know, a science, I think we've been spoiled by sci-fi movies that have just had like this beautiful lighting and cinematography on these shoestring budgets. So when you see something like this, which is like, I don't know what the budget for this is, but I could, I feel like it's probably pretty safe to say it was like a lot more than Ex Machina, right? Like whatever, like Ex Machina, I've seemed to remember is like, I don't know, $12 million. And at that movie looked, the, the Android alone, I was like, incredible. And this movie, I'm like, this robot, why? Why is this yeah, robot? No, it looks like a robot in like a child's like picture book. <laughs> it did it looked not, like the robot yeah. from the film Robots, if you've yes. ever seen the dream world. <laughs> oh my gosh. I also, I, and as Asia said, there's so many plot holes in this. There's so many big plot holes and occasionally they try to address them, but they don't really ever address them. Uh, but the bodies having trackers in them. Oh yeah, was such a big issue to me because they we watch them be grown in like primordial soup. Yeah, we watch them clone and grow bodies. Where do trackers <laughs> become part of this process? <laughs> And also, he was, like, in control of this process. So he had to, like, manually decide to agree to have the trackers be grown. Like That's can- what I'm saying. Like, at some point, they were, like, these little metal objects that were able to be fried with, with uh, the, you know, resuscitation device. They had to be implanted in the body. They did not biologically grow in the bodies. And so at some point, he had to say, like, yes, inject this into my family. Sure, but that means that you're you're still thinking about this as like a movie with. Like, I know, I know, I know. You're right. Continuity, like it's not a movie with continuity. If it's we, a movie with like with like ideas being thrown together and people going, "Ooh, they have trackers embedded in them," because nobody's like they don't have some sort of. Maybe they did have a continuity editor, but they didn't have like an I don't know like a script continuity editor going. <laughs> you can't do that because that's technically him, basically. Um, uh, what what's the I don't know what the, the clone equivalent is of like spying on your whole family, but like right, that, right. that doesn't make any sense. Um, so we don't have that. So we don't have like there's so many points in this movie that just do not connect. Like I have no idea where like can we talk about the ending if we're gonna course, quote unquote yeah. spoil the ending? Like I honestly have no idea where the fuck his daughter came from. I was like okay whatever. <laughs> I am so, like I didn't know whether they ended like whether they were. Whether they all like died and wound up on some sort of holograph island, like as clones forever, like, 
Uh-huh. Or, or I didn't even, wa- checks out. I didn't even checks out. want to broach that because I and literally the- feel my blood pressure rising with every second that I was witnessing it and now we're talking about it. But the end of this movie is his whole family reunited on this beautiful, pristine beach. And it's like, how did you get the technology? And where did your daughter's consciousness go? Because they were all stored on these like big, chunky 80s like. Betamax tapes or something. Well, not even and like, his, his daughter's consciousness. Like, his, his assistant says at one point that he couldn't get rid of her body, like, and he never tells us what he did with it, so it was like, did they actually go find her, like, rotting corpse yeah. and somehow, like, what the reconstructure? Hell? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, because of what they, you said about, like, how the body, ha- like, the mind has to connect with its old body in order to, to function or whatever, so mm-hmm. is that not true? Oh. Like, so... <laughs> Either I don't like it. While on the lamb from this government agency that could kill him, he found a pod and grew a new daughter, or right. he reanimated her corpse. The robot. Or this is like a dream sequence and they're all dead. Right, right. And all of this, no matter what it is, was apparently done with the help of the guy who he just killed and then some for some reason brought back to life because he was, I guess he assumed that when he brought him back to life, he would no longer be evil. Like, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. When I bring um, you back, don't, I'm going to erase your memories of being a bad guy and that's how we're going to get around that. They could wave their hand and do anything in this movie. But they, they don't show you like what they actually did. And I think yeah. that that's, again, because they were just like, eh, we made a cool movie. It's got cool stuff. It'll be fine. The audience right. again, with the, the moral ambiguity of the character, the whole I will leave my robot me to help your evil organization continue to make money off of cloning and, like, life, longevity, whatever. Mm -hmm. He would never leave himself to do that. He didn't, like, ugh, it's just... Well, also, like, his, like, his other self, like, his clone robot was apparently completely okay with, like, basically being enslaved for the rest of its life. Like, Mm -hmm. this this had, like, a completely, like, pre-Azimothian conceptualization of... (laughs) Of, of robot, like, humanity, of, like, robot manatee, like, yeah. honestly, like, it didn't have, it, it gave no, sec, like, no second thoughts, whatever, to the fact that it basically, like, split his consciousness in two, and the whole time yeah. I was like, well, what happens, like, his, his other half is doing this for his family, what happens when his other half, who's still in love with his family, wants to come back and, like, be with the family, like, what happens, yeah. like, and that and was that's... never addressed either, that, like, nothing of, no, like, I mean, they kind of, address that with the robot saying like take care of them the robot <laughs> saying like i'm going to be a robot slave and have this evil guy make money forever because right. i it's worth it for me to pay that price for you to take them away from here mm-hmm. they kind of address that but they also never directly address it and they're like how long does this guy have to work for the evil guy and then at the, the, at the very end, guy. they like they show you they reveal that the robot is working for the evil guy. Like they didn't already just painstakingly set up that the robot was working for the evil guy. So it's they completely should. yeah. They explain that more than anything else in this whole movie. And then they reveal yeah. it like it's a surprise. Like it's like it's the spoilery twist that the movie ends on. <laughs> like it's the See, last that's really- shot of the movie, and you're supposed to be surprised, but you're just like, okay. <laughs> That's that was that producer. His favorite clone movie was clearly Multiplicity. So that's what that was all about. <laughs> like, look, got to send these guys away somewhere. I do have to say, I did get very hyped when the robot Keanu and the real Keanu were like fighting first family, though. 
That was the best part of the movie for me. I was like, yeah, he uploaded his consciousness and now the robot's killing everybody. But also, why did the robot, why did that one robot have super strength and none of the others did? I don't understand. <laughs> he was special. He was the government. He, wasn't that the one that was going to be the government soldier thing? So they need him yeah, to be super that, strong. Yeah, the same robot that they were going to upload like the I military. Right. Into. So maybe they like, they, even though the, you're supposed to connect with your own body, and even though you're supposed to be as, like, they're supposed to make these clones, they, like, I guess just injected him with, like, extra, I don't know, extra, hu- extra human strength for fun. <laughs> Asia, you're thinking about this like it's a movie. Again, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, my impression, my impression was that they were taking, like, the best of the military and reincarnating them into super military robots. They were turning them into weapons for the government. That's a fine guess, yeah, yeah. you know, because the, the... That happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a thing. One of the producers really loves that. Universal Soldier. That was his favorite movie. Well, like, you can't take... They never address AI in this at all, but, like, you need a a, a brain and a consciousness to, to do this. So, like, mm. they have to take people, but no one's willing to just, like, die in order to be uploaded into a robot. So taking dead soldiers and then making them soldiers forever in a strong body um, <laughs> was what I thought was happening there. But, again, they don't explain any of that. Oh, gosh. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Th- Good job. Like, a win for me. <laughs> I keep thinking about this movie with Nick Cage, and I want I want a remake now. I think I do. It would be so much better if Nick Cage was in it. And that, I mean, I, mean, I think know. the only thing about that is that, like, you still couldn't, like, Nick Cage would not fix the moment where the bad guy shows up and is suddenly like, hi, here's this, like, <laughs> giant plot twist that makes no sense and comes in the middle of the movie without any... Sure. Um, right, but that also... I agree. It wouldn't fix anything, but it, I would <laughs> but it might make it be... Like, it might, like, make you embrace the deranged atmosphere that you're in. Yes. A more yeah. Violent. That's it. He's willing to take it to the edge and go to extremes, and it would make you feel... Something, which this movie did not make me feel anything <laughs> feel until something. Robot Keanu was killing people. You're like, all right, all right. Oh, my goodness. It would not fix any of the problems of this movie. It would just make this movie more watchable, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I'm, lo- I'm looking through our list here. I think, I, I think we crushed it. We, we talked about the story, the character development, the pacing, the mm-hmm. plot. We talked about Keanu, who was... Asia, do you have anything to add about Keanu's performance specifically? Oh, um, there was one genuine moment, which I've completely forgotten, where like I was reminded how much comedic timing he has. Um, it was some sort of line where he just had one of those like um, like cheesy uh, CSI Miami or whatever, like <laughs> um, uh, you know, like one of those cheesy lines that doesn't make that's not really funny, but one like, of those that normally ends in like a what. <laughs> like, a, like a David Caruso type like thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Was it the? Did it happen to be? I, I'm going to ask because it might have been the line. It here's here's an example of a line that I wrote down. Um, this is after the police knock on his door and they question him and they say that every car battery in the neighborhood has been stolen and this and we saw that happen. Right. Oh, it made cl- me so mad when he was like, "No, mine's totally fine." Yeah, like what an <laughs> idiot, of course, but. Uh, he closes the door, and as he's walking away, he says something along the lines of, like, yeah, okay, 
that happened. Right, right. <laughs> was that the? I don't. That's not the one that I was thinking of. But as soon as you okay. as you started talking about the cops, I remembered it. So I mean, the fact that I have remembered Perfect. like two ish lines from this movie <laughs> is more. Oh, than you're I gonna do I great. Um, I only the, remembered it because I was like, you can't have bodies of your family hiding in your basement and you've stolen all of this equipment and you actually technically murdered them, but you're trying to revive ooh. them and pretend that they're still alive and have the cops say every single car battery in this entire neighborhood has been stolen was yours. And he's like, nope. <laughs> Gee, officers, it sure hasn't. Ooh, that's weird. It made me so mad. That was f- I've I've watched a lot of bad movies. I was just like, okay, sure. That this is part of the right. the bad he- movie landscape for me. I'm just I'm fine with it. I mean, that's part for the to course. In order for him to get what he needs, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, he needs the cops to be imbeciles who don't um who don't ask questions. So they are. That's the the demand of the movie. So it's right. fine. It's fine. <laughs> Why would you expect them to do more? That's true. It's true. Yeah. You're like, well, fair. Fair, Fair enough. Oh my goodness. I think I mean, do we have any any other things to say about this film? <laughs> I do I not. I will say that it, like his crying over his over his family was particularly bad acting. Like it's probably the worst piano acting I've seen, I think. Oh my god, you're right. It was so <laughs> bad and I felt I, I I was kind of like what director pulled this out of him because I didn't like it's really I think it's really hard for him to act that badly, you know? Like mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, I mean, like, how ludicrous it was to be, to to basically draw straws. I I, I don't know. He's like, and he goes to his assistant, he's like, here, you do it. (laughs) It's like, this guy hasn't made a decision the whole movie. Like, he's done nothing. It was, I I, should have let it go. Like Asia said, like five (laughs) minutes in, I should have just been like, this isn't a film. It's fine. I also wanted I think, to note really quickly that like he's supposed to be the head of the entire operation, but he doesn't know how many like like human creating capsules he has left. Like that seems like a thing you should know. <laughs> well, that, I delegate. that was another I delegate. thing where they they do not explain that technically like Tom Middleditch and Keanu Reeves are two separate labs because they're working in the same lab together on all of this. So they seem like partners. But like Thomas Middleditch is cloning and he is like consciousness into a robot. And then they come together for this debacle. Um, <laughs> but I'm they never really make that clear like, until like until they until Thomas Middleditch is like, hey, this is what I do. <laughs> I know about all of this stuff. They never really make that clear that like it's two separate departments, technically. Yeah. While I don't believe that character would just go along for that ride as easily as he did with really no prompting necessary. Like, here's my whole family. They're dead. It was a car accident. We got to cover this up because I want to clone them because here we go. He's like, we, uh, okay. And he basically just submits. I did, Thomas Middleditch, you know, I I think that guy's very funny. He's got great comedic Mm -hmm. timing. It worked Mm -hmm. in some parts of this movie. Um... And that's that's the thing I could say about it that was good, that I enjoyed a little bit. I was like, hey, all right, middle ditch, good. I love that there was this one background character, like one of his lab assistants, um, the guy who was just kind of constantly in the background, like obviously side-eyeing all of William's choices. And I was like, he had like two lines, but the whole time I'm like, 
I see you. I see you and I support you. <laughs> and so we've, yeah, there are no, there are no small, act, uh, sno- small roles, only small actors, right? That's another thing. Yeah. Just little, little things. Um, yeah, I think we, I think we've exhausted everything there is to say about this film. Hmm. Um, so it might be time to move on to our next segment. I believe uh, it is. It's the trivia portion of the evening. Oh my gosh! I hope Asia. I hope. I hope you're paying attention because the questions oh no. <laughs> have have gotten have gotten more difficult over the over the weeks and months of of quarantine. I don't know if it's quarantine for for Charles as well, but let's kick it off with the theme song. Here we go. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh my goodness. Pop quiz asshole. It's a very own quiz show where the host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. If they get it wrong, the other person has a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answer. That's clutch. That's super clutch. You got to remember the answers. I, I should probably write them down, maybe. That, that's something I should do six episodes from the end. Points are not cumulative and only determine who wins the episode. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to our master of ceremonies, Charles Nolan. Hello, everybody. Hello, Charles. <laughs> hey, Charles. <laughs> How is everyone doing today? Thank God Great. it's Friday, you know? I'm ready to lose pathetically. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not the attitude. You got this. Well, I appreciate the excitement. (laughs) If not the slight (laughs) pessimism. (laughs) Presented Uh, optimistically. (laughs) There it is. There it is. It's It's all about presentation. Are we all ready to begin? Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, Well, let's start off with Asia. (gasps) No. (laughs) What is the name of the research facility at which William and Ed work? Is it A, Biodyne Industries, B, Bionine Industries, or C, Bioline Industries? Ah, it's either Biodyne or Bionine. Um... I think it's Biodyne? I think it's Biodyne. That is incorrect. (gasps) Steel. Andrew. I'm going to go with (laughs) Bionine. That is correct. Yeah! (laughs) All right. Uh, Charles, just real quickly, uh, Jody says hello in the chat. Hello, Jody. (laughs) (laughs) Just always got to call that out. Okay. I appreciate it. (laughs) Moving on to Whitney. Yes. What is the name of Ed's boat? Oh, no. Is it A, the lion hussy, B, the unfaithful hussy, or C, the cheating hussy? Really? Uh, I'm going to say the lying hussy. That is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Steel? 
Asia. Yeah. Is it the cheating hussy? It is. <laughs> wild. Absolutely wild. Is that, do they actually say that somewhere in the film or do they show you the name of the boat? They do both. It's said at the beginning of the film when they are driving out to the boat and then we see it at the end. It is. Incredible. Wow. wow. Pretty gross. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of pretty gross, moving on to Andrew. <laughs> That's oh, rude. Burn. <laughs> I, of course, am just kidding. Our boy Keanu's character is named Dr. William Foster, uh -huh. which John Wick franchise co-star would go on to play a Dr. William Foster in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Whoa. Whoa. Is it A, Common, B, Ian McShane, or C, Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, in a Marvel Cinematic? Is it Lawrence Fishburne? That is correct. Yes, that was a what? What is? What did he play though? Oh, yes, he played Doctor uh, William Foster. That was yeah. in the question. <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp. I remember now. Larry. Yes, I totally blanked on that movie. Okay, great. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Moving back up to Asia. Okay. Which actor from Con Air was originally slated to play William, but turned it down? <laughs> no! Was it A, Nicolas Cage, B, John Cusack, or C, John Malkovich? It was A, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> that is correct. Oh Nailed my God, it. really? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> that was uh, twice. That was crazy. two movies basically in a row that probably should have gone to Nick Cage. I'm just saying. That's crazy because I had no idea of that when I've been talking about Nick Cage this whole time. <sighs> that is, to use a void term, absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Moving on to Whitney. Yes. In the names in a bowl scene, how many times is the word pick said? Oh my God. <laughs> is it nine, 10, or 11? Um, I'm gonna guess 11. That is incorrect. Uh-oh, there you go. It was, a, it was a lot, so I just went with the most. <laughs> I will steal and say nine. <laughs> Asia. That is correct. Oh my God. He's <laughs> just seen it so many times she could recite it from memory. I understand. I actually bought it. I didn't even rent it. I bought it. <laughs> wow. You can just imagine the, <laughs> you can just imagine the producers like, we got a sale. We did it. I am that sale. This movie was made for me. Right. Hey, there you go. No shame. No shame. <laughs> Absolutely no shame. Speaking of shame, moving on to Andrew. <laughs> I like these transitions. Okay. When William is deleting the memories of Zoe, we see two lobes labeled in the brain diagram. 
One is the occipital lobe. What is the other? Is it A, frontal, B, parietal, or C, temporal? Uh, yes. It is the... <laughs> hmm. I believe it's the parietal lobe. That is correct. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Of course. Of course it was. I don't know why I got so excited. Of course it was the parietal lobe. <laughs> Moving on <clears throat> to the final round of regulation questions. The current score is Asia 3, Whitney 0, Andrew 3, Void <gasps> 0. <laughs> the Void. Uh-huh. Okay. The Void. It is uh -huh. unlikely that the void will get any points, but it is still possible. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back up to the top of the round with Asia. I just want to say, I feel like the void has already won because we're discussing this game, this movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. That That's is possible. correct. <laughs> Here we go. There it is. <laughs> Asia, how many new text messages does Mona's phone have when, when, when Will <laughs> plugs it in? Is it A, 123, B, 117, or C, 447? Wow. I think it's 123 because it goes up later. That is incorrect. Steel? <sighs> Whitney. 117? That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. I believe it was 447. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> it was 123 missed calls. Oh. The old bait and switch, mm, Charles. Sneaky bastard. So <laughs> I am very sneaky. Uh huh. See, look, uh -huh. now I'm behind you. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like that at all. No. Let's move on to the next question. Next question to Whitney. <laughs> uh-huh. Matt has a set of nesting dolls on the shelf above his bed. How many are there? Oh, my God. Is it five, <laughs> six, or seven? Five. That is incorrect. Um. What? He has, <laughs> he has six or seven nesting dolls. Steal. Andrew. Seven. That is incorrect. <laughs> Steal. Asia. Six. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of nesting dolls. Uh -huh. That's a lot of dolls. It is quite a lot. <laughs> it's not as much as seven, but it is more than five. <laughs> oh my. That's so many dolls. <laughs> Why? Why would he have that many? For the last question of the regulation round. Oh my gosh, because they're asshole. nesting they're nesting consciousness inside of other consciousnesses. <laughs> Whoa. That just got very meta. <laughs> this movie, like the nesting dolls, has layers. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Andrew. I'm crying. 
When William is pitching, uploading himself into 345, Ed greets a coworker walking past. Okay. What was the name of this coworker? God damn it. Was it A, Phil, B, Ted, or C, Jim? <laughs> I want it to be Uh, let's go with Let's go with Phil on this one. That is correct. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. You love to see it. I remember that. I remembered that his name. I just want you to know that I remembered that. I knew that. I am proud of you, Asia. <laughs> Thank you. 123 missed calls. God damn it. That's a, a lot. That takes us to the bonus round of Pop Quiz Asshole. Okay. The bonus round features three questions that are posed to no one in particular. Everyone gets their opportunity to buzz in, and the first to buzz in gets the points if they get the right answer. Okay. Let's remind everyone of the buzzer sounds, starting with Andrew. Bzzz. Thank you. Moving on to Whitney. Me. Thank you. And Asia, what is your buzzer sound? Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that I love is it. fantastic. Okay. Bonus round question number one. What is the time since cardiac death for the first donor we see at the beginning of the movie? Was it seven hours and 15 minutes, seven hours and 30 minutes, or seven hours and 45 minutes? Me. Whitney. Seven hours and 15 minutes? That is correct. Whitney is on Nailed the board. It. Nailed it. <laughs> Moving on to question number two. How many days does it take to grow the bodies? A, 14 days, B, 17 days, or C, 21 days? Me. I know, I know, I know. Whitney. 17? That is correct. Woo, Whitney. <laughs> I was like, it's gotta be, it's 14, clearly. It's 17, they make a whole thing about 17 days. I know, <laughs> I know. The levels, the levels. The one thing the that levels. they actually like, try to make you understand in this movie is how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> and now for potentially the final question <gasps> of Pop Quiz Asshole. Okay. Where there is capacity for a tie. Oh boy. Sophie, quote-unquote, tells Juan that she's grounded until she's 18. This means she is grounded for how many years? <laughs> oh, jeez. Five, four, or three? Uh... I know, I know, I know. Asia. Um, three? That is incorrect. Damn it. Me? Whitney. Four years? That is correct. Whoa. There you go. I was. She was 14. I was hoping for. We saw on a piece of paper written down <laughs> the ages of the different children. She was 14. Matt was 13. We did uh, not see Zoe's age. There right. was no way that, that, actor, that actress was 14 years old. No, no not absolutely even, not. Not Movies even are. 
historically very good at casting ages appropriately. <laughs> Charles, I just want to say that uh, Zoe in the chat says that you are crushing pop quiz today. Well, thank you, Zoe. You are crushing life. Keep at it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, this was a very close pop quiz asshole with a score of three to four to five. With our grand winner being Andrew. <gasps> Andrew. Oh, I did it. <laughs> it's a hollow victory. <laughs> the fanfare plays. I do a lap. It's great. Mm -hmm. Faded out. Thank you, Wild Stallions. <laughs> and thank you, Andrew. <laughs> And also Asia. <laughs> and pleasure. also Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did it. We did it. It is now time to pivot to Pop Quiz Audience. Oh boy. Pop Quiz Audience, each week I ask our audience three questions, and they can tweet to me at the Nolan with their answers. The questions and answers from last week were. Question number one. What's the number of the cab Lindsay gets into at the end of the movie? The correct answer was 814. Correctly guessed by Jody. Hey! Excellent! There you go. Next up, what popular chip brand did they eat from the mini bar? The correct answer was Pringles. Correctly guessed by Melissa Reed. Hey, Melissa! Excellent! And the last question was, what is Lindsay's address? The correct answer being 14 Catalina Drive. Correctly guessed by Jody. Excellent! Good job, Jody and Melissa and Jody again. <laughs> Charles, I got to ask. Uh, you said that at the end of our stream last week you were already getting answers did you have all of the answers by the time we were done the episode all except for the first one which was mm. incorrectly guessed and then corrected within minutes <laughs> perfect perfect so if you are listening live you'd better be quick <laughs> if you're not listening live still better be quick mm-hmm mm-hmm <laughs> mm -hmm. Here are the three questions for this week's Pop Quiz audience. What time is it when Ed tells William they need a generator? Question number two. What are the names of the officers who come to ask William about the car battery theft? And question number three. What Ivy League school's t-shirt does William wear at different points throughout the movie? Tweet to me at the Nolan T H E N O W L I N, or tweet with the hashtag #PopQuizAudience, and get called out on the next episode for your right answers. Perfect, perfect. Well, Charles, it's been it's been quite an adventure this game. Thank you for all the hard work you put into making this happen. Thank you so much for letting me put in what is not really that much hard work. <laughs> As much as it is 
watching movies for details instead of plot, which worked out very well for this movie. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, as always, we'll see you on the next one and happy, happy void to you. Have a good void. And a happy void to you very soon. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! It's been a, it's been a particularly <laughs> ominous episode for me, I think. I don't know. Got some shade. I don't know. <sighs> Nothing, Charles? Okay, <sighs> he left. He's gone. He's, Charles is gone. Okay! You just said a happy void <laughs> to you very soon and disappeared. <laughs> Not unnerving right. at all. I, I don't have to be looking over my shoulder at all. At all. <laughs> I am going to run us through pretty quickly the major plot points of this movie, which we have discussed is not does not make m very much sense at all. So this is just based off of w what Wikipedia has. So both of you, please feel free to chime in if anything, uh, for, if you have any clarifying words here. Otherwise, I'll get through this as quickly as I'm possible. I'm pretty sure that anything we need to clarify, we've already talked <laughs> okay, about. Okay, good. Uh, so here we go. William Foster and Ed Whittle are biomedical research scientists working for Bio9 in Puerto Rico, attempting to transfer the mind of a dead soldier into an android with superhuman strength, codenamed 345. Foster specializes in synthetic biology and mapping neural pathways, and Whittle's specialty is human cloning. So, in case you weren't aware, Foster, that's Keanu. Whittle is Thomas Middleditch. There you go. Foster successfully captures Soldier's neural map, transfers it into an android brain, but the experiment fails. The android rips its own face off, kills itself. It's, it's um, you know, the special effects work was not particularly anything to write home about, but hey, there you go. Foster's boss, Jones, warns him that if he cannot get this to work, the company's shareholders will shut the project down. As Asia and Whitney have both said, it's very clear that this man is not a scientist, nor has, does it seem like he has any experience running a lab of any kind. <laughs> Foster takes his wife, Mona, and children, Sophie, Matt, and Zoe, on a boating trip, but on the way... All but William are killed in a car crash, which is, it's, it was just a series of unfortunate events, right? It's craziness. Determined to resurrect his family, he, quokes, he coaxes Ed into bringing Bio9 equipment to extract his family's neural maps, clone replacement bodies for them, the whole nine. After, uh, you know, he extracts their neural maps, he says, Ed, you got to get rid of these bodies. Um... And then they run into their first major problem of the movie, which is uh, they only have three cloning pods, uh, <laughs> three, I guess, surplus cloning pods, and there are four. So he has to make an impossible choice. Uh, he chooses Zoe, of course, his youngest daughter, and then erases her memory from the neural maps of the other family members. And then there's a thing where he goes around the house, collects all these uh, pictures of them together and all sorts of stuff like that. Whittle starts the 17-day cycle required to create clones and tells him the only thing um, that he has to solve for is the problem of integrating neural maps into clone bodies. This is the only thing that they haven't figured out. He's got 17 days to do that. So uh, integrating the mind into a biological clone was phase 
2, right? They haven't even got it into the Android yet. So Foster is forced to keep this a secret because no one at Bio9, this is not approved. This is not, you know, we're not a human testing yet. That's not a thing. So he and Whittle have stolen millions of dollars of goo and stuff from Bio9, and they're breaking all these bioethical codes and stuff like that. It's great. He spends these remaining 17 days uh, removing evidence of Zoe's existence, creating cover stories of illness to explain his family's absence from work and school and social media and stuff like that. Basically has 600 Apple devices in front of him and he's navigating all this stuff. It would have been, that would have been the hardest part, I think, probably. Uh, when Foster notices his wife's central nervous system reacts to his touch, he realizes that subject 345 failed because the mind expects connection to a biological body with a heartbeat and respiration rather than a synthetic one. He knows now that to transfer into a clone, this will not be a problem. And the failure of the Android transfer can be solved by simulating, by programming a simulated mind-body interface, which they refer to as the algorithm. He successfully transfers the minds of his loved ones into the clone bodies, goes back to work creating a synthetic mind-body interface. Everything's going great. When the next dead body he receives has suffered too much brain damage to be viable, this is back at work, Foster resorts to recording his own mind for the android transfer. This was a very disturbing scene for me with the needle in the eye, in his own eye. I don't like when scientists do this. It freaks me out. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Sophie has a nightmare of her mother's death, right? She's like, she died. We saw it happen. And then Mona catches Foster erasing the memory of, of, of this dream, essentially, or I guess some residual sense memory. He confesses that they died in a car crash and that he resurrected them. And she takes this news better than, <laughs> than anybody on earth would. <laughs> <laughs> Easily. <laughs> the family discovers evidence of Zoe's existence that he missed. I believe it was scroll, uh, like a little name scrawled in a closet and the fact that this was a bunk bed, all these little things that he couldn't account for. And he admits that he couldn't save Zoe and he erased their memories of her. Again, they take this pretty well. Jones confronts Foster and reveals he is aware of what Foster and Whittle have done. He tells them the research is not actually intended for medical purposes, <laughs> but is being financed by the U.S. government to provide a military weapon. Foster's family are loose ends, and we need to get rid of them. This was all means to an end. Foster destroys the mind-body interface. He, gets, he incapacitates Jones. He gets the drop on him, and then he flees, attempts to escape by boat, which we learned has its just the worst name ever for this boat. Jones's henchmen eventually capture Foster's family. He pursues them to Bio9, where it is clear that Whittle sold them all out. Jones kills Whittle, very unceremoniously, forces Foster to finish Subject 345. Foster, of course, as Whitney said, best part of the film, perhaps, uploads his own mind into the robot. So now we have Keanu and Keanubot. Uh, Keanubot kills the henchman, mortally wounds Jones. So we have the upper hand now. The two Fosters make a deal with Jones. He can live in a cloned body and become rich by working with Foster 345. I didn't know that's what we were calling him, but okay. Selling clone transfers to wealthy people looking for second life. Meanwhile, Foster is able to retire in peace with his family, including the newly cloned Zoe. 
That's it. <laughs> Does that all check out? That makes sense? Sure. <laughs> it doesn't, but that's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. I. You know what? You, you, you all have changed my... If, if I go into this movie and I'm like, I'm not really expecting too much, I think maybe if this was on, I might... Yeah, if you if you don't expect a movie when you watch hey, this movie. sometimes, you, you know, that might be the case. It might just be like a turn <laughs> off your brain and just... Uh, if I had to put them... So, so, for instance, we just also had Siberia. Um this movie might might be above Siberia for me. I don't know. We're almost we're almost there. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But first, we have the question, like we always ask. I'm going to start with Asia on this one. Asia, I think I know the answer also. But do you ultimately recommend this film? Like, if someone's like, "Hey, Asia, replicas," <laughs> what are we thinking? Well, who am I recommending it to? Am I recommending it to people who like movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to. There's a couple assumptions that have to be made, right? You're gonna, you would. This would definitely be someone you consider a friend or a family member. So keep right. that in mind, right? Are you, you know, maybe right. they're a fan so of I, Keanu. What do, What do you got? Um, I would not recommend this movie to uh, Keanu Reeves fans. Uh-huh. I would recommend it to to people who like to to consume certain films while uh, maybe drunk or stoned, <laughs> um, or or with friends who who like yelling at movies. Because um, you definitely do a lot. If you if you're so invested, you do you can do a lot of yelling at this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would say I would say it's like a. 50/50 and generally generally like as a human being and a as a human being who recognizes that most human beings want movies to be good I would not recommend this movie <laughs> As a critic I would not recommend this movie uh-huh. but <laughs> as a as an ironic lover of of terrible terrible sci-fi movies all the way 100% <laughs> So that's a very uh, it's a very nuanced recommend, but I I think ultimately I'm going to put you down as a as a recommend with you know maybe like an asterisk this there is or something. This is be like when, when I get inducted into the Academy for one day for criticism, they're going to look back at this moment. They're going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't let them in. Perfect. Okay, uh, Whitney, I'm curious. What uh, what are you thinking about this one? I do not recommend this film. Okay, okay. I did enjoy it personally more than I thought. I thought it was going to be like unbearable, and it was bearable. And at times I laughed out loud, and at times I yelled. As Asia said, there's definitely <laughs> parts of this movie you can yell at. Um, but overall, and there were parts where I was totally bored and tuned out. But uh, so you know, there it's. I think better than I anticipated, but definitely not good enough to recommend to most people. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't think that I'm going to recommend this movie, but it is one of those situations where I look back on the, on the other things we didn't recommend. And I would say more than those. (laughs) If yes. that makes any sense, right? It's, like it's definitely top of the list of the not recommends. <laughs> if you have to watch a movie that I don't recommend, this is by far earlier in your watching than you know Generation Um, for example. Right, of course, of course. So you know, take that for what it's worth, everybody. 
it's a no, but it's not like a not capital N O. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those situations. So, okay, all right, we got Asia. Asia's on the board. That's with an asterisk, but still on the board. All right, now we get to a very interesting part here. Uh, I'm going to start with Whitney on this one. Mm-hmm. Where does this fit into your current Keanu ranking? I have put it at number 40. That's uh, pretty low. Yeah, below Thumbsucker, but above okay. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Interesting. Wow, so this edged out Bogus Journey. Yes, I would rather watch this again than Bonus Journey. 100%. Okay, okay. I got so uh, mad about Bogus Journey. I hope they turn it around for us. For I think they music. will. It seems like, it seems like a good... Seems it's going to be charming. Even if it's bad, it'll be charming. Okay. Uh, I'm lower than you for this one, but like I said, above Siberia still. I'm going to be at 48 for mm-hmm. uh, this film in terms of my ranking. Now, Asia, it's been a minute since you've been here. I currently have uh, <laughs> your list as such, and I took some liberties here. I hope you don't mind. Uh, your list is uh, six total. My own private Idaho, John Wick, The Lake House, Constantine, Much Ado About Nothing. And uh, just because it was at the bottom of both Whitney and Mai's list, uh, I, I went ahead and put Knock Knock at the bottom of yours as well. Ah. Just assuming. <laughs> just going out on a limb. Well, I was going to... If I'm wrong, uh, I'll be shocked. You, you're not wrong. That's totally fine. <laughs> I would say this is better than Knock Knock. I was wondering if I was trying to figure out how I did this because I wasn't sure if I had, because I did the watcher and I was like, did I rank the watcher? I don't, I couldn't remember if I, if I actually ranked it or not, but I would actually say I enjoyed watching this movie more than I enjoy watching the watcher just in general. So interesting. I don't know where that puts me on, like on the grand total of, so we could put knock knock way down here. So if, at 16, if I had just a list case. that was like sixty-two, and knock uh-huh. knock was at the very bottom, where is the watcher? <laughs> the watcher is at like thirty-seven <laughs> on your list. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. The watcher is that like feels forty-seven good. on 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 Andrew's list. So maybe I should rank it down. And and you have replicas below that. I think maybe I'd swap those. Because I, okay. I probably, I probably enjoyed looking at yours. You have like Hardball, Sweet November, The Watcher, and Replicas. I would say I probably enjoyed watching Replicas more than The Watcher, but uh, I, I don't even remember if I liked Sweet November. I know that I've seen it, but so <laughs> it's in there Chances somewhere in my memory banks, and you could just like wedge right. it in there. Perfect. Okay, so around yeah, okay, like around the forty-seven in the mid to low, the mid to high forties for you. Right. Okay, perfect. We've all right. It's been noted. You know what? <laughs> we'll 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 get this all sorted out. We'll have Asia's canonical list shortly. <laughs> we'll we'll work we'll work through this. But that's good. So we're all kind of on the same page. This movie is middling to you know. <laughs> Not so middle. Honestly, my, my scale for what is bad has been so dramatically altered by this podcast, this experiment <laughs> in film, that sure. I really don't know what is bad anymore when it's not Generation Um, Ellie Parker, Knock Knock. Everything is better than that. So Yeah, it's, it is interesting. The drop-off for the lists, and uh, Whitney, correct me if I'm wrong, but like basically once you get past, let, let's just call it 20. Right, mm-hmm. all bets are off for the, yes. these films, really. And once you get down to the bottom ten, 
it is. Ju- it, it, I mean, it's we're going dire. for all time worst, yes. f- worst films. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we we're on the same page. But yeah, yes, we are. Forty-seven is yeah. The forty-five is that's. They're fine. They're you know that's great. All right, I like it. A couple rec- one recommend. We got some pretty middling rankings here. This is great. This is great. Let's talk next week, okay? Whitney. <laughs> Whitney, you have the honor and the privilege, nay, the, the privilege, privilege. Yes. <laughs> to walk us through uh, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Knife uh, fight, knife fight, <laughs> knife fight, knife fight. Right. Uh, we've all seen this, right? Uh-huh. I don't think there's really much to say. I think everyone is hype for this film, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, uh, I, don't, I can't spoil my thoughts for it for next week. Yeah, Suffice no, don't say, get into it now. I've already watched it. Like, you know, like we, sometimes this is, sometimes these movies, they're like homework where it's like, oh, I guess I'll sit down and <laughs> take two hours out of my day. It's like when it comes to John Wick films, I'm like, yes, let's do it early. So I can't be a procrastinator with John Wick films. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's it. Yeah. Team, we did it. This is very exciting. Congratulations. As always, <laughs> we did it again. Asia, you did it again with us. It's <laughs> so exciting. Asia. I love it. People have been asking for you to come back, Aww. believe it or not. I, I mean, it's really, really, truly, we get emails where, like, we miss Asia. Oh, that's we, so and sweet. It's, oh, thank you, guys. So, Yes, it's truly. I was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta make this work because we only have so many left. We gotta have Asia back. So it's great. It's great. So you have been, you have been so busy. I see you all over the twitters, and and I'm reading your articles. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Of course, uh, of course. Out there on the internet. Yes. Um, so my. God, my brain just went blank. I've been so like, so I've been working so much during the pandemic. I've just been working nonstop. So like you just saw my, you just witnessed all of you who are like listening live, just like witnessed all of my brain cells just sort of float away (laughs) for a second. And I, um, I forgot where I worked. I forgot my own name. I forgot everything. <laughs> so um, I work at Vox. I am apparently a culture, a culture reporter for Vox <laughs> and a culture writer. Um, so you can find me there at Vox.com. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Asia Romano. That's A-J-A-R-O-M-A-N-O. And don't listen to Andrew. I actually don't tweet that much. So <laughs> uh, 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 Okay. All right. Well, I mean, just oh, visit her on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, Listen, I, was, I follow the threads. I was tweeting last night about BTS because that's like an event, Andrew. I understand. Look, here's the deal, right? <laughs> it's not uh, here. Here's what it is. I I I rely on you because that is not within the purview of the people necessarily that I follow. So I'm reading. I'm like, oh, now they have their, their, this song that they're ha- is in English, and now they will be able to crack Billboard. And I'm like, this is interesting. This is like quite a tactic because I know a lot of people that are fans, and. I, I like I, I enjoy the perspective. So very cool. Look, I just hey. I love the idea of living in a world where you don't know for months in advance that BTS has a single that's coming out on August twenty first. Like, what <laughs> would that be like? <laughs> I, ignorance is bliss. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I guess um, yeah, it's 
I, I appreciate, I, I certainly appreciate your writing and all that stuff. So again, and your insights on everything here. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Follow Asia. Come on. Mm-hmm. Super easy. Just click follow. Do it. You won't regret it. Whitney, mm-hmm. what do you uh, what do you got going on this week? Nothing. What, where where are? <laughs> I have retreated what? into my pandemic cocoon to the point where That's if you're fine. not in one of my closed ship posting groups on Facebook, <laughs> you don't really see any activity from me at all. But you can follow me on Twitter at Whitney underscore Nelson N E L S E N, where I will retweet some stuff when I occasionally do crawl out of my pandemic shell. Uh-huh. Um, and Whitney Nelson on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, Instagram, with no underscore, if you want to see a lot of pictures of my dog, because I am posting. That's the only thing that I'm doing other than shit posting on Facebook is taking pictures of my dog. He's a good boy. I'll He's say it every, I'll say it every time. I would die for that dog. Right. It's, it's really a dog. <laughs> I have never... Felt this way about anyone or anything the way I feel about this dog. So it's kind of a revelation. Does Jamie listen to this podcast by any chance? <laughs> he does, but he gets it. Oh, I understand. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. I have a weirdly cool thing to plug uh, that I didn't even I didn't re- even really know about, but I found out about yesterday. Uh, uh, an indie horror film that I worked on, I did all the drone and aerial shots for, is in iTunes and all other major streaming platforms today for you to check out. Um, It's pretty cool. It's like, it's called The Honeymoon Face. Um, It's kind of a cool story. I dig it. I, I was like, okay, I sign on for this. It's tracking at like number 51, 52 on iTunes right now. Uh, and to put that in perspective, Midsummer is at like 43. So not too shabby. Not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, check it out. Um, it opens with uh, one of my shots, which is great. I love it. We do a lot of glamour shots of Philadelphia and surrounding areas. So, yeah, give them some love. My good buddy Phil directed and put uh, three years of his life into it. So if you like indie horror flicks, you know, Go in with your expectations tempered about budget and things like that. It's a it's a good sit. It's a good sit. Awesome. That's all I got. That's all I got. So That's I'm good. going That's to. Good. Uh, <laughs> Thank good you. Good promotion. I you know I'm I'm generally pretty bad at this stuff, but it was uh, I was like pleasantly surprised. I'm on the IMDb and stuff. It's wild. It's like you you never expect that kind of stuff. So. Uh, okay, I'm going to press the button that does the theme song here. Oh my goodness, I love it. And I'm going to say thank you all for joining us, Whitney, Asia, viewers. Mm-hmm. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Dudes.